with uh, August and Bill signing on, uh, that would uh, give us enough people to make a quorum. So I am going to officially call this meeting to order. Uh, thanks everyone for being in attendance today. Uh, Jared, right, Jared? Um, could you please go over the uh, rules of engagement for this meeting and then uh, roll call of attendees, please? Yes. Uh, good afternoon, my name is Jared Allen, Administrative Technician, Lawrence Transit. Uh, with me here is Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. He will work alongside Mike Wazikowski to facilitate the meeting's procedures, proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. And now I will do roll call. Lance Fay. Present. Austin Stifler. Present. Mike Wazikowski. Here. Foster Spicinger. I do not see Foster on the attendee list right now. Alan Ackland. Here. Gregory Critchlow. I do not see Gregory on the attendee list yet. Bill Wilson. I thought I saw Bill sign on, but uh, maybe he signed off, so not on right now. August Rudisell. <clears throat> Here. Freddie Gipp. Here. Okay, that's six of us then. And assuming that Bill signs back on, that would be seven. Either way, that constitutes a quorum. So this is an official meeting. Uh, thank you, Jared. Uh, first item on the agenda is public comment. Uh, so Adam, do we have anyone in the room? Well, that chat is pretty dispositive. I do not see anybody in the room for public comment, and uh, I do not see anybody on the Zoom call who is here for public comment as well. Um, but that said, Margareta, Ginger, thank you for being here. Um, so, uh, Adam, did we get anything by email? No written comment this month. Okay. Okay, so no public comment. Uh, Next item on the agenda then is approval of minutes from previous meetings. Now, uh, uh, as Adam noted a little bit ago, if you weren't were on the call or not, uh, there are three sets of minutes posted. The minutes for the January meeting are the only one that correspond to an official meeting where we had a quorum of our membership. So that is the only one that we need to officially approve here. Uh, those for March and April are for your information where we did not have a quorum. So um, hopefully everyone has had an opportunity to review the minutes from the January meeting. And 
As always, I will offer three opportunities for people to propose amendments, and assuming that nobody uh, provides an amendment, we will approve them by unanimous consent. So, first call. Do any members of PTAC online have amendments to offer for the minutes to the January meeting? Second call. Does anyone have any amendments to offer to the minutes from our January meeting? Last call. Does anyone have any amendments to offer to the minutes from our January meeting? Okay. Hearing no uh, amendments, minutes are deemed approved by unanimous consent. Uh, thank you, Adam and team, for assembling those for us. Uh, first regular agenda item is a, a briefing about the Vision Zero Safety Action Plan and uh, discussion and potential motion to name someone to the uh, steering committee from our board. So, Adam, I believe you have some slides for us. Yeah, so I uh, attached a brief memo. I was trying to figure out the best way to share this information to you all. So let me just pull that up in case you hadn't had a chance to see that yet. So the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Organization is uh, beginning work on a Vision Zero Safety Action Plan. And they're looking at a variety of groups uh, like ours to have representatives join that steering committee. Uh, it looks like they are um, looking for someone to join, it looks like perhaps six meetings over the next year for one to two hours would be the commitment. So uh, this plan is a countywide plan, um, but of course, you know, your role in, on this committee would be to speak for, um, from the perspective of, of PTAC. So they are looking for an appointment from PTAC. I'm happy to answer any other questions I can, but um, we've had a number of appointments come out through this group for various groups, and this is similar. Um, so we're just looking to have a transit voice at the table. Okay, thanks, Adam. Um, open it to the uh, committee members. Does anyone have any questions about uh, our participation on this committee? Very talkative today. Okay. Um, well, Adam, a uh, big question that I have is uh, how many people are on this committee? Like, who's leading it outright? Um, well, the MPO will typically lead this at, just from a staff perspective. Um, and uh, I imagine when they begin their work, they'll select a chair. I'm not sure that's selected ahead of time. Um, and I could attempt to pull up the... Um, I'm not sure if they have a website established yet that shows the types of groups they're trying to get on the committee. I think where they're still in the formation phases. So typically, though, uh, the steering committee is they try not to get too far over uh, 15 members or so. It becomes kind of unwieldy um, mm -hmm. to have that many people try to guide and help make decisions. So I would imagine it is a group of around 15 or less. Okay. Thank you. Typically, the MPO will, you know, um, of course, uh, a lot of different groups related to transportation, but they also 
uh, try to include educational institutions, um, Haskell, KU, USD 497, uh, health department typically um, is on groups like this. So I would imagine you'll see a lot of the similar type groups folded in. Okay. Um, thank you for that information. Um, I'll just say, uh, um, my sense, uh, it's definitely important for us to participate on something like this. Uh, transit safety is really uh, integral to how uh, people see us and whether they're willing to uh, uh, support our uh, transit system or expand it in the future. So uh, um, I definitely, as you have time available, if anyone has time to participate in this, I would definitely encourage uh, volunteers to uh, step up and uh, chip in on this committee. Um, I know we've had several people who've participated on similar committees in the past, and it's I, I'm really grateful for the people who lift the burden for me so that I don't have to be our representative on everything. So I will go ahead and then open it to the floor since I don't want to volunteer anybody or volunteer anyone that they need to be uh, the representative on this. Is there anyone who is interested in being our representative on this committee? L. Ackland, PTAC member. It uh, talks about meetings in the evening. Any idea of the time frame involved? I don't know that they've established that. I think they do try to do it after working hours just to um, try to meet people where they're at. But it's, you know, it's always a little bit of a give and take that works for some people and not for others. Um, when I've seen these types of group in the past, there's typically a little bit of adjustment time from after work. So, you know, probably 5.30 start at the earliest. I would imagine a 5.30 or 6 p.m. start for the most part is typical of this type of group. My experience on these committees has also been that whoever ends up uh, organizing it from the uh, city or the county's perspective will uh, survey people. Um, for example, I'm on the Climate Action Plan steering committee for the county, and the uh, county rep on that sends out doodle polls regularly when we're ha uh, coming up on a meeting to provide a list of options and then see which ones are accepted by the most people to before they actually schedule something. So you'll have an opportunity to chip in and say, this time doesn't work for me, uh, or this time is great and I'll be able to attend them. Uh, thank you, Alan. Uh, I'll ask from PTAC member, and this is just for one year, is that how that reads? Correct. Yeah, it looks like one year and it looks like maybe meetings every two months, roughly. Yeah, I'd be happy to volunteer. Thanks, Alan. Um, is there anyone else who would like to volunteer potentially as an alternate member? BTEC member Freddie Gip, I'll serve as alternative. Okay. Thank you, Freddie. Um, well, uh, unless someone else wants to uh, brawl over this, which I'm guessing is unlikely, uh, I will make a motion to uh, name Alan as our uh, lead representative on this committee and Freddie as our uh, backup attendee to these meetings. Would anyone like to uh, second my motion? 
It's August Russo. I second your motion. Okay. Thank you, August. Uh, would anyone like to uh, discuss these nominations before we proceed to a vote? Sounds good. Okay, uh, Jared, could you go through a uh, roll call and take uh, results of the vote, please, on this motion? Yes. Lance Fay. Yes. Austin Stifler. Yes. Mike Wazikowski. Yes. Alan Ackland. Aye. August Rudisell. Yes. Freddie Gipp. Yes. M. Unanimous. Thank you very much, Alan and Freddie, for volunteering. Um, as with other committee assignments, if you uh, find yourself unable to complete this, let me know, and I can always help support you in the future on this. Uh, next item on the agenda then is a draft transit rider suspension policy. Uh, again, Adam, I believe that you have uh, some information to present to us about this policy. I do, thank you. So um, we are working through uh, some challenges with service that have led us to uh, look towards a policy to help um, control some behaviors we're um, unfortunately seeing more prevalence of. So to the agenda, I attached the full policy and then I'll walk through slides that hopefully walk through that in a pretty clear way. Um, happy to answer any questions along the way. Give me just a minute. Okay, so in developing this policy, um, you know, we're, we're starting to see some increased amount of incidents, um, or perhaps just finally reaching a threshold of incidents that have been there for um, unruly behavior, uh, unsafe behavior, things that we really want to curb. We've had, um, prior to developing this policy, we had a number of internal discussions at our weekly meetings about what we can do. Uh, we coordinated with um, the police department just to get their sense of what was going on and, and how they've addressed certain things in other places and and ultimately came back to just developing a clear policy for ourselves and clear guidelines on how we enforce that. So uh, the purpose here is just to um, avoid those disruptive situations that, that do come up. So it's certainly not our intent to uh, be un unnecessarily or, or frequently um, preventing people from using the transit service. You know, we want uh, to treat riders empathetically who are dealing with a lot of different things uh, for the most part on our system. Um, and we certainly want to think about uh, seriously anyone who we would consider suspending uh, from transit service. At the same time, we also have to think about the, the rest of our riders as well. Um, you know, right, especially as we've gotten into fare-free service, we have spent a lot of energy encouraging the entire community to get on board and um, join bus riders. And we want to make sure that the experience for all of those new riders, um, students or otherwise, are uh, good experiences. So just trying to think about um, making sure we're creating a safe environment for, for everyone.
Uh, this might be pretty small um, on your screen, but there are um, a number of different grounds for suspension that we've listed in the policy. Um, you know, there's a lot of different rider behaviors we discourage on, um, on the bus. We haven't included all of those in the grounds for suspension. We've only included the ones we thought uh, rose to the level that would be, you know, if people are breaking these particular behavior rules, uh, we need to start considering um, suspension. There are a couple of them that I've outlined that we're, uh, are, we are particularly seeing higher prevalence of. So the one on the left is uh, drinking alcohol in the bus. We also say in facilities um, to cover, you know, within bus stops or when we do have central station open. Um, those are places we don't, uh, you know, want people uh, drinking, openly drinking. And we, we have been seeing some of that. Um, the other one that I've outlined is our policy about uh, asking people to ride no more than one full loop of a bus route, um, essentially trying to make sure people are riding the bus with the destination in mind. Now, we are we do want to be flexible with this, like we're not trying to um, you know, unfairly kick people off the bus, but we do ask people to transfer rather than ride one route all day. You know, if they do need a safe, comfortable place to be, um, out of the weather, we can certainly help connect them with other places that are appropriate in our community. Um, and I do have the uh, the asterisks on here that deem, you know, on, on very, very hot days, very, very cold days, we certainly know that our buses are treated as mobile relief stations for people to get out of extreme weather. And um, in those cases are uh, less concerned about the, the one loop rule. but. Um, we have seen abuse uh, and sometimes hand-in-hand hand of these two particular issues, uh, people drinking uh, and staying on the bus for, for multiple loops, and it's um, causing some challenges uh, for existing, you know, for other riders on the bus as well as our drivers. So the policy spells out how we will notify and communicate with people throughout this. Um, so we certainly want clarity with anybody who uh, we, we need to go through this process with. So you'll notice in the policy there's one um, there's one form that we will fill out that's a notice uh, or like a warning. So it's prior to suspension, us informing someone, hey, you know, these behaviors have been happening. If these continue to happen, we will need to move to the next step of, of an actual suspension. Uh, the suspension form has... Um, uh, relevant information that you know our road supervisors can fill out. It would be something that uh, law enforcement could reference if they needed to. Um, but just documentation of of why we would ask to suspend someone um, uh, to make sure that we're being fair about that and have a good, you know, solid footing for it. There is some flexibility on the duration of suspension. So as I showed on that prior screen with all the grounds for suspension, there are, are certain things that, um, you know, certainly if people are endangering other people's safety, uh, that's uh, a very important, um, you know, critical thing that we want to keep in mind on our buses. So we, we do want to match the duration of the suspension with the severity of what uh, behaviors might be going on. Um, I think, if as we try to start this policy, I think we'd be conservative with our durations. Uh, I think we'd like to see what 
Uh, it means to suspend someone for a day, a week, a month before we would jump, you know, all the way to, you know, a year suspension or indefinite um, with somebody. We'd like to be uh, flexible with people, and, and we really just want to encourage the best behavior we can on buses. Um, but just noting that the duration can be uh, flexible depending on behavior. There's a spelled out appeal process, so if someone uh, feels that the suspension is not um, appropriate or has not been grounded very well. Um, we have an existing appeal process for people who get denied for our paratransit service, the T-Lift. So we did try to follow that framework uh, quite a bit with this process. Um, one difference that we added was we, you know, the, the T-Lift process as far as the appeals go is, is pretty internal as far as who is reviewing everything. Uh, myself, along with uh, folks with our contracted service provider, uh, currently TransDev, do the T-Lift appeal process. In, in this suspension process, we wanted to bring in our uh, Director of Equity and Inclusion as a, um, a third party to observe and, and help talk through um, that so that there was someone not directly transit involved who could kind of hear the concerns from both sides. So. Uh, this is the, the process that we hope to go through. Um, that middle bullet talks about flexibility and how we uh, receive appeals. Um, you know, we talked with staff about not all of our writers are proficient in English, proficient in writing, um, in different things. So we wanted to accept verbal appeals in our office during office hours at Central Station when it opens. Um, of course, uh, if we can get things written, that's better. So we'll ask for that if possible from people. Of course, this group um, guides our policy decisions. So, um, you know, any updates to this policy, if we're, if we're finding that it's not working well or want to make changes, we'd bring back to this group. Um, we would do an annual evaluation of this policy to understand internally if it's working, do we think there are issues. Um, I would imagine with this particular policy, we, prob we probably wouldn't wait for an entire year to go by if we recognize something's not quite working with it. Um, our operational staff we meet with weekly would bring up um, issues before then. So um, just grounding us in the, you know, the ability to improve, uh, put a policy in place, but then improve it if we find we need to. I believe that's the content I have for this group. I'm happy to go back to any slide or jump to the policy if that's helpful. Hello, Alan. PTAC. PTAC. Uh, go ahead, Alan. I see you speaking. Yeah. Um, I, I took a look at that earlier, and um, there was an issue about um, uh, firearms on a bus. I don't know if that include, includes issues with a concealed carry or if that's just a general policy. Um, the city has and there's also I think towards the end it talked about uh, providing trans alternate transportation for people that that did receive uh, a suspension and um, I was just kind of curious about that that uh, that policy yeah yeah so the on the firearm issue that is uh, you know a, a broad policy we've had no firearms on on the vehicle, so that's been in place for um, uh, since the start of service. On the alternative transportation, um, you know, there uh, maybe I'll 
let Ginger jump in if I don't explain this exactly right, but you know, just riding the bus and observing operations, there can be cases, uh, let's say, where someone might be um, intoxicated and not appropriate that they're on the bus based on their behavior. But um, in some cases, if we're able, uh, we'll have like a road supervisor in their vehicle, make sure they get to a safe destination, um, even though they can't jump on the um, the full bus with the rest of folks sometimes, uh, if we can accommodate that, we'll, we'll do that. There are also um, just other alternative okay. transportation providers in Lawrence, so it may be, uh, you know, if, if someone is suspended from our service, um, we can notify them of other things they might qualify for. So uh, potentially some riders would qualify for uh, Senior Resource Center service, potentially Independence Inc., um, things like that. That would be um, related to that section. Yeah, I'll act on PTAC member. Yeah, I was just uh, concerned about passing off a bad actor to another group and still continuing to provide public transportation to someone that's not following the rules. Um, right. So that, that was my question. Right, and that brings up, I mean, I'll share, you know, we had a lot of discussion about about enforcement and, you know, somebody has a um, an incident on a bus that, that leads us to, to uh, move towards suspension there are a lot of different bus drivers, right? So we'll have to communicate amongst ourselves and different routes um, to try to ensure that, that uh, if someone is suspended that they um, are, are appropriately not trying to use the service. Uh, the reality is if they uh, get on the bus three days later, someone else's bus who doesn't recognize them and they uh, don't have any behavior challenges that that's not the worst problem in the world right it's it's more of an issue if every time they get on the bus you know they they continue to have that same behavioral problem we would recognize that they had been suspended we can use that paperwork as a grounds to ask them to please exit the vehicle um, it can that paperwork can also be um, important to your point alan of coordinating with other agencies um, or other departments uh, you know as, as we if we do need to escalate and work with the police if someone's not complying, which occasionally happens. Um, sometimes we're, we're asking for help from the police if someone's uh, <clears throat> safely trying to use our service. Um, that, that paperwork or kind of description of why someone was suspended can be really helpful to catch everybody up. Yeah, the way it was written, I think it was that, that the uh, group shall do this and so it wasn't like there was a an option it just it was a like a mandatory uh, process that if after suspended that you would they still that the, that the group would have to would have to uh, provide alternate transportation options that's a good note we'll take a look at the specific language on that okay. that was it yeah i would i would say we're uh you know because of the breadth of possibilities i think we're shall is probably too strong in that case. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks for your questions, Alan. Um, does anybody else from the committee have uh, comments, questions, concerns about uh, the content of this draft policy? August Rudisell, PTAC. I just have questions about issuing a suspension notice. Is that going to be done by the street supervisors at the moment of observed behavior, or is it going to be done after the fact? And have you talked to the drivers about getting identities of people who are probably not going to willingly comply with providing information unless there's a police presence? 
Yeah, those are good questions. So I think, um, so the way the, the forms are filled out is they do both the warning and the actual suspension have to be signed by me. So that will take some coordination. It's not going to be, um, there, there won't be quite the flexibility for a road supervisor from our contracted service provider to just be issuing suspensions on the spot. There will need to be an incident that we discuss internally, you know, may need to look at video if that's appropriate and, and, and um, essentially get me and our staff comfortable that a suspension is appropriate, then we'd fill that out and, and return to the, the person when we saw them next. I mean, I think the, um, we're not asking for a lot of personal information. We do have to identify somebody with some name or something. So I think uh, your, your point's well taken. I think that is probably going to be a learning area for us if we do face um, kind of unwillingness to engage with us in that way. Um, we may have to work that through between our our operational staff and the the police. We certainly aren't trying to escalate things. We're just trying to to get behavior back where we want it. Thank you, August. Uh, do any other PTAC members have comments, questions, concerns about the draft policy? Yeah, Lance Fay, Vice Chair PTAC. Um, I'd like to know maybe kind of. If, what discussions you're having and uh, what the perimeters you're going to have regarding um, inappropriate and profane language um, that has been a long time been you know real commonplace on the bus and in many cases it's people having a conversation that in, in for the most part is not that disruptive but there are situations where it does become disruptive or insulting um, and so just curious of what kind of discussions you have or what are the parameters of that um, you know, are we coming up against any freedom of speech sort of issues on that like what you know what what's your discussion and procedure on that yeah good question as well um, so I, I scrolled back to the grounds for suspension slide just for everyone else so the third one down is about louder intrusive use of profanity or obscenities on the bus or in facilities um, you know, there's certainly going to be some gray area, like you say, Lance, that we'll have to we'll have to talk it through. We'll have to look at video and decide if it has reached a certain level. Um, I guess my eye also looks down at the fourth bullet that references threatening or harassing behavior to other passengers or drivers. I mean, I think when it comes to profanity or and obscenities, um, people using those terms in the course of conversation with other people on the bus, I'm not sure we're going to be trying to hand out suspensions left and right for that. I think it will have to uh, be at higher volumes, it'll have to be for sustained periods of time, it'll have to be in ways that clearly make other passengers uh, feel less safe or, or um, infringed upon. But, um, you know, the, the point about First Amendment is well taken, we'll have to be thoughtful about how we approach that. You know, in many cases, I think uh, people and our riders are not unreasonable. I think our first warning that we issue that's not a suspension, um, not that everybody complies, but I don't think most of the people riding the bus willingly, you know, don't want to comply, don't want to have access to the service, and, and um, 
And so I think I'm hopeful that we don't face too many, you know, complete unwillingness to, to work with us with some behaviors. We'll have to approach that case by case. Uh, Follow-up comment and question on this. I've, I've observed um, a, a great inconsistency amongst, you know, bus drivers on, on this issue. And um, because the drivers are going to have some, you know, discretion and some responsibility in determining whether a passenger needs to be warned or suspended. Um, is there any outreach or training process that will go out to all drivers and expectations as to how they'll how they'll approach this? Because I've I've seen situations where, you know, one driver and it can be on the same route is mouthing off to passengers for really minor things, and another driver will just pretty much let everything go, and so. I think we've got to look out for um, inconsistencies there, and I'm just, you know, was that been brought up? Yeah, that can certainly be a real challenge with just the sheer number of, of drivers on our team. I don't know if, Ginger, you want to speak to any? I know we, we of course, will follow up one-on-one um, -on -one with people if a certain rider complaint comes in or concern comes in. We'll look at video. We'll follow up and try to get driver behavior where we'd like to have it if it wasn't. Uh, the way we want it handled. Um, I know we do that on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but Ginger, do you want to talk through it all? Training in this area, customer service and curbing behaviors and all of that? Oh, of course I will. Um, Ginger Dahl, General Manager for TransDev. We do ongoing uh, driver trainer, operator training monthly. And passenger interaction is a topic that's covered quite frequently. When we have so many different personalities, though, and different um, on how they perceive the clients and the, the passengers, customers, relations, um, it can be a little difficult and a little challenging. But we do have that expectation. I guess part of my question is, is there going to become kind of a, a standard by which all drivers are trained and, and where all drivers have at least been informed what the expectation is of them or what level of, you know, involvement in this is expected so that at least they know clearly, you know, when and where to interact and when not. Yeah. I might say something before you jump in, Ginger. I was just going to say, you know, this this uh, policy and the formality of it is different than what we've done before. So I would say certainly we'll have to start out with some discussion around the de development of this and how we our expectations for enforcement with drivers as a group. I think, um, you know, we'll inevitably have our first couple few uh, experiences trying to work through the use of this policy and the warning and the actual suspension and I think those will be uh, big learning opportunities that we can share at those monthly meetings that Ginger references um, as, as ways to start providing some guidance to drivers on where that our expectation for where that line is um, I think the reality is it's it's going to be gray it's for a long time we'll be probably finding um, you know, that perfect sweet spot or trying to communicate that sweet spot to, to drivers. I think um, that's going to be a reality of something like this. Thank you for that discussion. Um, any other members? Uh, Austin, I see you have your hand up. 
Hello, Austin Stifler, P-TECH member. Uh, kind of following off of the notion of consistency, just out of curiosity, it's a rather general question. Um, is the verbiage and enforcement of this grants for suspension policy pretty similar to other peer transit organizations in the area, say Wichita Transit, Topeka Metro, KCATA, things like that? Good question. Um, we did build the policy based off of peer review. I mean, tried to find the relevant sections and things like that. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, the appeals, we kind of pieced the whole appeals section to, to mirror what we already do with T-Lift, so there wasn't wide variance in that process for people. So um, it, it's built from those things. I would say in some cases we found some some things that were pretty strict. You know, I think in many cases there's not that warning level of paperwork. I think it's straight to some type of suspension. So we made some decisions like that to to ease into it a little more gently, like I said, and our, our intent to get the behavior we want rather than just suspend people left and right. Um, we're trying to step into it in a way that, um, I don't know if it's appropriate to say like educational almost at the same time as it is enforcement. We're trying to um, turn people around and say, hey, this, we can't have this behavior and here's a formal thing that might happen if this behavior continues. Um, to Lance's point, some drivers are very good at curbing uh, poor behavior before it starts. Others um, are more timid or quiet, um, and so that, that can create different things that could escalate, um, and so hopefully this can be another tool in our toolbox. Awesome, thank you. Thanks, Austin. I, I think basically everyone has commented, but I'll still open it up. Does anyone have comments, questions, or concerns about this uh, draft policy? I guess this August we saw real quick question because of the nature of the riders that typically could face suspension. Um, if there is an active suspension decision made, is it going to be proactive to? Is it will will there ever be? Well, I don't know what my question is. Are we going to have police presence on scene for, to keep the peace, or a suspension of a for an issue of a suspension, or is it going to be we're going to attempt to issue a suspension and then if it becomes aggressive or you know we're not able to issue it, then we try it again with the police presence, or is it always just going to start with the police presence? Uh, I think the way we talked it through, we don't imagine starting with police presence. So um, when, uh, if, if we were to provide somebody with the, either the warning or the actual suspension, we plan to do that with a road supervisor, not just uh, one of the drivers. So that's a level of, uh, you know, kind of a, um, uh, someone who's kind of supposed to step in in those conf conflicting moments. Um, we want them to be delivering that that paperwork. Um, the police presence, I think, would come into play if someone is uh, trying to um, avoid the suspension notice that we've already given them. So if someone is continuing to try to use our services, continuing to display those behaviors that we um, don't feel are safe on the bus, at that point, um, the police would be engaged essentially for a, a trespass type motion, right? It's like, you know, the agency's already giving you the suspension. We're here to, you know, in, enforce that fully. But I, I don't believe it's our intention, unless we had some unique um, expectation that it 
you know, this person might escalate quickly. I don't think we expect to start by having police out there with us. Thank you. Uh, thanks, August. Again, open floor. Does anyone have comments, questions, or concerns? Margaretta, I see you came off mute. I was just going to add that this is really just formalizing, a, I think, a process that needs to be formalized so that we have something to point to that is more definitive than just having the list of rules on the bus. And I think this will help everyone, the drivers, the road supervisors, us, with having a firm a form and a firm policy that helps us know what to do when somebody is breaking the rules. Thanks, Margaretta. Um, I do have a couple of questions, Adam. Uh, my first one is simply you have up the grounds for suspension. Is this anticipated to be a complete list or are we anticipating uh, road supervisors, drivers, et cetera, having some discretion to say, you know, this behavior isn't explicitly one of these items, but it's still disruptive to riders' safety in some way? So we did uh, work this policy between the city, um, KU, and TransDev and tried to have a review of this. So the list, the list you see up here is the full list of what we say, you know, uh, any suspension must reference one of these things. Um, there are, you know, on the left side of the screen, there's a few that are broad, more broad, right? So if you think about disorderly conduct, conduct threatening or harassing behavior to other passengers or drivers, you know, that, that could be somewhat broad. The one below that, conduct that could pose a threat to public safety. You know, I think, I think there's a chance that some things could fall into those that aren't explicitly listed. Um, and, uh, you know, the, based on the experience of our team, we, we couldn't identify others that we thought might come up um, to the point of being off this list. But to that end, if we did discover something we didn't anticipate, that would certainly be something we'd uh, essentially bring back to this group as an amendment to the policy um, if, we, if we absolutely needed to add something. Okay. Thank you. Uh, second question that I had was about the appeal process. Not necessarily the appeal process itself, but um, what happens if someone chooses to appeal? Do they still have the opportunity to ride the bus as normal while that is ongoing, uh, before the hearing has been held, something like that? Um, gosh, I'm going to have to reference my own policy to remember exactly how we listed that out. On the on the T-lift side of things, we do we tend we let people ride until that completes. Um, I would imagine in this case, it's it's more likely that um, uh, that we're going to ask, we're going to try to make an expedited appeal process. We don't want people to wait, but um, if we've decided to suspend someone, that means at that point we've reviewed video, we've talked about it as a team, we've had. A lot of different people decide that that behavior is is worthy of that. So um, I, I believe our approach will likely be that uh, they won't be able to ride during that appeal process. Okay. Um, 
that that sounds fine to me and i am all in favor of that i would offer that as a friendly amendment we should add a line attesting to that to the policy because i do not see anything under number five that really addresses um hey you are while you are trying to appeal this you are still not going to be able to uh, use the uh, standard lawrence transit systems Good, good catch. We'll take another look at that. I think that's all I have then. Um, well, um, that uh, I think we've discussed this policy just about to death with everyone. So uh, I would entertain a motion that we approve this uh, policy going forward. Uh, hearing nobody, I, I move that we adopt this policy as I propose that we amend it. Is there a second? Second. Thank you, Freddie. Is there any further discussion from those in attendance right now before we proceed to a vote? Hello, Ackland, PTAC member. Uh, we talked about a number of different um, issues with the policy. So we're talking about approving the policy as it was presented to us in the, uh, uh, before the meeting, or are we incorporating all these things that we've talked about? I guess I'm a little unclear about that. That's a good question. Um, I pers personally, when I was listening, I didn't hear anything that outright said we should amend it or amend the policy as it was written. This, uh, what we were talking about was how is it interpreted? How is it going to be enforced? Um, if anyone else had heard anything that they think constitutes an amendment to the actual text. Uh, I would definitely entertain us editing that, and I would definitely approve us tabling this to next month to uh, review the policy in a more final format and then approve it at that time. Yeah, Lance Fay, Vice Chair. Um, I was kind of considering asking to table because I think that there. I think that a couple of the things that have been mentioned could have some legal impact, and I think we want to make sure that the language as presented in the policy um, gives all proper clarity and legal protections. And since there's some things that have been suggested and wording and changing, it might be in our best interest to table it until we see those changes and have some clarity on those things. That sounds good to me, then. Um, so, um, I assume then we'll entertain a motion to table this. Does anyone want to uh, support that motion or put that up? I'll act on PTAC member as I would, I would support that. Okay. So, we have a motion to second. table this uh, policy until next month. Yeah, I'll second. Uh, Lance, I'm guessing you're seconding? Okay. Um, so, uh, uh, Jared, could you take a quick vote yes. from PTAC members about tabling this discussion until next month? Lance Fay? Yes. Austin Stifler? Yes. Mike Wazikowski? Yes. Alan Ackland? Yes. August Rudisell? Yes. 
Ready, Gip. Yes. Okay. That's unanimous. Uh, so, uh, Adam, um, let's uh, plan on having uh, this back on the agenda for July with uh, the policy as we've discussed amended to uh, and reviewed by our legal teams to make sure that everything is up to snuff. And at that time, I'd assume that we'll be uh, content to uh, vote on this and hopefully approve it. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, everyone. That was a nice discussion. Uh, next item on the agenda then is PTAC member items. So as always, you are free to uh, email Adam, Lance, and myself if there is anything that you want to discuss and put on the agenda for a uh, future meeting. But at this time, this is your opportunity if there's anything that you do want to bring up today to uh, discuss that. So PTAC members, is there anything that you would uh, like us to discuss today? Al Ashland, PTAC member. Um, it, it looked like there was an all-electric bus failure on 6th Street by Folks Road or somewhere in that area oh, about maybe six to eight weeks ago. Uh, I don't know, it looked like it had stopped and traffic was backing up. So I was just kind of curious if there's any, any feedback on how the uh, uh, all electric buses were, were working out. Um, I'd have to look back at that. You know, we get uh, notifications from our uh, from Transdev anytime there's any sort of bus failure in the field. They'll tell us exactly what's going on and if it's going to be switched out for another bus. If we know what the issue is, um, so I'd have to see on that one. I would say, in general, are the number of issues related to electric buses has uh, decreased over the last couple of months. We had a period of a few months where we were having uh, quite a few challenges with chargers in particular, um, just uh, overnight turning off right before they were getting up to 100%. Um, so we, we worked through that a lot with the uh, Gillig vendor and the charge point charger vendor and are in a much better place now. I think the number of calls we're making in the evenings uh, is greatly, greatly diminished. So um, performance when they're out on the road has been good. I think we uh, continue to monitor those kind of one-off either charger issues or we occasionally will get a um, uh, high voltage battery light that needs uh, investigated by the battery manufacturer. And in many cases, um, it can be relatively simple fixes of us putting the bus back on the charger. Uh, they, the batteries rebalance and, and it heads back out in the field. In other cases, um, we have had to take some buses up to Cummins, the battery manufacturer, for them to take a closer look at certain uh, battery cells and different things. So I don't know if you got more than you bargained for on that question, but I'm trying to make... I'll act on PTAC member. No, it was a Friday and it was late in the afternoon and I remembered from one previous meetings they were talking about running the electric buses uh, further, you know, not not taking them out like at two o'clock, but let them run longer in the day, try to get more usage out of the batteries, and so I kind of just, I said, well, maybe that maybe that was an issue they were having, but uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, I have not led the ops team astray yet. We haven't pushed a bus to uh, to zero in the field and had to tow it back. That hasn't happened. I do not want to know what it takes to tow one of those buses. <laughs> uh, 
any other PTAC members have uh, items that they want to bring up now or at a future future meeting? Okay. Next time on the agenda then is uh, transit staff items. Adam, it looks like you have uh, three bullets that you want to talk about. Yeah, I have a few things tonight. So I wanted to alert this group if you've not been tuned in to uh, the Boards and Commissions Structure Committee. So um, uh, early or late last year, we began the process of looking at um, a number of different boards and commissions through the city and um, tasked this group with seeing if we could come up with a structure that aligns more closely with our strategic plan. And so that work is, is ongoing. Um, there is some upcoming public engagement this week. And I wanted to alert uh, the group. Um, Connected City is one of the outcome areas of the strategic plan. Um, uh, focused mostly on mobility, transportation. It also includes some other infrastructure uh, related to water and wastewater. Um, but there's a proposed group for Connected City that would uh, essentially merge this group with the Multimodal Transportation Commission um, in an effort to streamline kind of transportation uh, efforts. So wanted you all to be aware of that. Um, I'll bring up on the screen briefly. There's a project page um, and maybe I'll back out from the city's main website. There's a, a community engagement um, button to the left. The first active project is the boards and commissions realignment. And at the bottom of this, they have uh, some upcoming public engagement opportunities. So there's an in-person one this Thursday evening at the Carnegie Building. Uh, there's a Zoom uh, virtual meeting on Friday midday, uh, noon to two. And then there's also a um, questionnaire that's available until the end of the month. So I wanted to make sure um, that all of you are, are aware of that and have a chance to provide any input concerns you might have as this group evaluates and recommends changes um, to board structures. Um, I'm, I'm not completely sure on the end date for this project, uh, all I, I, but I do know that there's engagement throughout the rest of this month. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. Um, I don't know that I can uh, answer a whole lot more questions, but I guess I'll pause. Are there any specific questions about that group or process that I can, um, if I don't know it now, maybe I can send out info on? Okay. Anybody well, from PTAC have questions? Okay, um, my two questions first, um, what's the expected timing of this decision and when would it take force, like dissolve us and merge us over? So that's something I don't know yet. I would, you know, just knowing our other uh, engagement processes that we go through, all that information that's gathered through the end of this month is going to need consolidated, analyzed, and presented back to the city commission. Um, so there's at least that step uh, that I would imagine uh, even moving quickly would be uh, well into July um, if that, that goes there. So um, I, don't, I don't know for sure until that uh, gets in front of the commission next what kind of end, end date we're looking at. 
Uh, but I think they're trying to take the appropriate amount of time through the process since it will affect so many different boards and commissions. Um, make sure there's good engagement, make sure that it's, uh, you know, changes like that lead to better outcomes. Um, I would imagine the commission will take their time with it, city commission. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, second question I had is, do you have any idea what that will mean in terms of uh, the current uh, city ordinance that says that committees are going to have nine members, like the standing boards? Um, is that plan to uh, stay in force? Well, I would imagine there'd be a number of uh, new ordinances and ordinances revoked. I, you know, through this process, I would bet um, you know there'd be new ordinances and bylaws stood up for each new proposed group. You know, its its number of members, its regular meetings, its you know uh, whether or not the members have uh, if they're all just open seats or if they have specific focus. Um, people that we're trying to get on, you know, organizations that we're trying to get included. I would imagine that'll all change with any actual proposal at the end of the process. I can't imagine these groups, you know, especially since it'll, this is a consolidation coming down to uh, many fewer city advisory groups. Um, I, I can't really imagine any that would be less than nine members. Um, kind of like I mentioned earlier with steering committee, it gets tough when you grow beyond when you get between 15 and 20, it starts to get challenging, but I would imagine um, I would imagine that's the range you're probably looking at for a lot of these groups is nine to upwards of 20. Yeah. Yeah. All right, um, I, I'll advise PTAC members, definitely take advantage of the Zoom call and the in-person meeting if you have the opportunity. Uh, I am planning, pending my baby or cooperating with my schedule to attend the in-person one on Thursday. Um, okay, next item then looks like a Central Station update you wanna tell us about. Central Station update. So um, this will be a, um, a challenging update. So we have been um, working uh, to move as fast as we can on this project and uh, in some uh, recent discussions and just evaluation of uh, some of the construction challenges we're having uh, this project is very likely delayed uh, beyond august we have a um, uh, have weekly meeting set up with our internal engineers to try to chart the most efficient path through this um, i believe in the next week to 10 days we'll be having uh, timeline focused meeting with our contractor and architect about exactly what we're looking at out there. So I unfortunately um, am doing two things I don't want to do. I'm telling you about a delay and I'm also telling you I don't have a lot of extra information <laughs> specifics about the magnitude of that delay. Um, but I would uh, hope within the next week or 10 days I will. Uh, we'll certainly need to be pushing out uh, public information as much as possible. You know, we've been doing a lot of outreach related to route changes and getting passengers ready for that. And so we'll have um, a lot of communication to do about um, what this delay will mean um, for, for a number of our initiatives. Um, so a discouraging update for this team, um, but uh, I know that all the folks working on this project are trying to thread the needle, make it go as fast as we can uh, because we know it's importance um, to the community. We also 
don't want to um, uh, rush in a way that that uh, reduces quality or uh, puts anyone in you know a, a situation where we'll face more challenges down the road. So um, happy to answer any uh, questions you might have about it um, if I have the info. But it's uh, we just know with a couple recent things um, that we're that we're we're going to have to push it out. Uh, any PTAC members, comments, questions, concerns? Uh, Lance Vay, Vice Chair. <clears throat> I'll assume that a delay would also delay um, the date to start date of route changes, and at that point, what would that impact do to upcoming transit guides? Right. So, yes, this project touches so many different things. Um, so we'll have we need to have further discussions with KU about transit guides. Um, you know, KU uses the physical copies of those a lot through orientation, through new students arriving, um, and you're correct that routes can't change until the facility's open. You know, it needs that site in order to change routes. So that will be a challenge to navigate um, to make sure people have the information they need um, in hand, but. Uh, the short answer for the city side would be the city routes will remain as they are until such time as Central Station can open and allow for those changes. Um, so we'll have to uh, talk more with our internal team about what August looks like, what the start of that semester looks like, and then uh, what a future change to city routes would mean timing-wise, ride guides included. Uh, any, any other PTAC members, comments, questions, concerns? Okay. Um, I'll just say um, it's disappointing, but I do see every day that I go by when, when I am driving around town, there is obvious progress being made. Uh, just a couple days ago, I saw for the first time that the uh, pavement on Crestline going south from Bob Billings has been completely ripped up. So that's a good sign that they're about to uh, start laying pavement there and get the uh, road configured for all the entrances and exits that we need. So I'm excited to see that progress. Yes, and I can't, you know, I won't tamp down my excitement for this project. When it completes, you know, there's, uh, there's a number, there's so many different components that I think um, uh, riders and the public will will really enjoy so we're we're excited to get there uh it you know for a lot of people not including me this has been a more than 10 year process um for me it's just been three and a half but uh there's been delays before um it's challenging to have another one at this point but we are looking at a facility that's a 40 50 year facility right so this is a long-term you know do it right sort of project and that's uh, what we're trying to Keep in mind. Okay, so last item under transit staff items is an update on the electric buses, in particular phase two and phase three deployment. Right, so phase two and phase three are both in the contracting phase right now. Um, we are 
close to getting our phase two buses. We're wrapping up some final artwork to send off for the paint job on those. And uh, those two 40-foot buses from Gillig are uh, still scheduled to arrive this calendar year. Uh, we're looking at probably November, probably late in the year. Uh, phase two does not include a lot of uh, construction infrastructure. We're adding one additional charger, but the pad, the concrete pad, and electrical stub ups are already out at the facility, so that should be a relatively straightforward process. Um, so at the end of this year, we should be in, we should have seven electric vehicles, seven chargers in place. And the phase three project is four buses, two of them being 40-foot Proteras, two of them being cutaways from Optimal. And uh, in the contracting phase for both of those, and expect that um, those buses should be here about mid-year 2024 is what we expect. Uh, that will include some additional construction um, as we get the um, one additional big power module, the power block, and then additional chargers for, for that work. There'll start probably in the next um, month or two, there'll start being some uh, city commission consent items related to these contracts and such um, that, that won't require presentation or discussion, but uh, will be the next steps in us getting these through. Thank you. Um, any PTAC members, comments, questions, concerns about that? Um, only thing I want to ask is, um, is, is there any desire or need for a phase four or more phases of acquiring buses? I don't know what our current life cycle is for the uh, uh, diesel and hybrid and other buses that we have in our fleet. There will certainly be a phase four and beyond. Um, you know, we're, we're still pushing to meet our uh, full zero emission fleet goals. Um, that's got a long time frame on it over the next uh, 12 years, roughly, is what we hope. Um, so 2024 is a year that we are, uh, in part, focusing on a zero emission transition plan. Uh, this is a grant-funded project that we won through State of Kansas AIC grant program. Uh, and that will really help us figure out uh, how we get up to 25 buses, 50 buses, and ultimately the coordinated fleet uh, with KU as well. It's roughly 100 vehicles. Um, so we're taking a couple of grant cycles off in order to do that planning process and set ourselves up for what's likely to be a, a quite a large ask the next time we go to the federal government, probably major infrastructure. Um, our strategy so far uh, during what we're calling the pilot period, these first three phases, is one charger per one bus. And they're all uh, relatively, they're fast chargers, but relatively slow compared to some like 50 other. kilowatts or something yeah some of some of the other chargers that are overhead pantographs are much much charge much much faster so um likely our next request to the federal government is a big infrastructure project maybe with some buses as well but would be mostly focused on um adequate space to put in a larger scale charging infrastructure. So there's a lot of that that we expect to work through in the transition plan. It will be a plan that's pretty technical. Um, it will walk through the, the 
variety of uh, unique um, funding, federal regulation, dance that the city and KU do together to continue coordination. And this will be an area that's particularly um, complex, but is is going to be required for us to, for either of our agencies to get to the electrification we need. Um, so looking forward to that process. You all will definitely be looped in as we get it going, but it's still, um, with everything else going on, it's still uh, half a year away for us to really launch into that. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Uh, that finishes up our agenda for today. So uh, our next meeting is planned for July 10th. Uh, plan on same venue as always. Uh, you'll see me in different digs because I will be moving at the end of this month, beginning of next month. Um, thank you for attending today. It's nice to see everyone again. Uh, it's nice in particular for me to have something to do that isn't uh, taking care of my baby for a change. Um, this is a recorded meeting. So, Careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Really, um, there's a photo to share. Is there a photo to share? Um, let me see if I can pull. I'm, I only have them on my actual phone because, you know, I'm not in the business of sending them onto my uh, computers, but I might be able to get something for you guys for next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not even appropriate for this venue. I just have to say that because baby pictures are amazing. Babies are awesome. Um, thank you, everyone, for your attendance today. Look forward to seeing you in July. Have Thank a great you. rest of your day. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.